Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I'm joined by Connor Lyons, the co-founder of Taskmatch. Connor, you're very welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Ryan, thanks for having me. Delighted to have you. Typical fashion with the show is we focus on three main areas, early influences, challenges, and pivotal moments. So throwback to early days in Dublin. Any favorite memories, stand-up memories from growing up in Dublin? Growing First of all, what part of Dublin did you grow up in? Yeah, I'm from Dean's Grange area, Dublin. I don't know, and not too many people are familiar with it, but close to Fox Rock. And for people that don't know it, I usually just say close to Dunleary. People usually know where that is. Um, so yeah, standout moments for me growing up. There was a fairly normal childhood growing up. I come from a small enough family, so one older brother. And he, yeah, we're fairly close. So usually whatever he was, usually whatever he was into, I got roped into as well. So we were both very keen footballers playing for our local teams and um, he's a United fan I had to be an Arsenal fan for some good rivalry and yeah we were fairly keen fishermen growing up as well so we were we were both the youngest members of the Dublin pike anglers so we used oh. to spend our weekends on some random rivers and lakes around Ireland which was an experience and yeah what else yeah a lot of fishing when we were younger I, unfortunately I haven't really carried it on but a lot of fishing we used to summer holidays used to revolve around um, dad and my brother conversing to find somewhere that had good golf courses and good fishing close by so some standout ones would be Union Hall I remember doing a lot of fishing in Union Hall and fishing off the pier for the day and our parents would drop us there in the morning early and go off and play golf and I remember they came back around eight hours later and we're still there we caught around 300 fish and wow. yeah well dad laughs to this day so i think he caught the same fish over and over again but look we were we were having fun so yeah they were they were probably the standout moments usually summer holidays were the standout moments for me as a child yeah gwell talks as well going to the irish colleges and stuff so yeah good times sounds like certainly sounds like good times you've mentioned your dad and brother and your mother and um, anyone who you believe had a positive impact or inspired you to be the person you are today from your early days yeah well of course my early days it would definitely be my family so my dad was definitely fairly influential in my life he was fairly entrepreneurial himself he, he did own one business in the latter years of his life but yeah he was always fairly entrepreneurial always fairly handy as well but he'd always be throwing ideas at me and and I'd always be the same and we'd have good debates he'd always be ripping my ideas apart so I'm a fairly kind of positive person and have a, a good outlook on things and, and don't see the negatives of it where he's the opposite he would he would uh, he'd rip them to shreds in two minutes and, and make me rethink everything from start to finish and um, so yeah he was fairly influential growing up I'm going to say he was a strict dad um, strict but fair is probably how I'd describe him so um, yeah, definitely dad and my brother, as I said, I'm very close to my older brother and still am. Um, so yeah, he'd be fairly, he'd be very influential as well. He's, we took two totally different career paths in life, um, but he's definitely someone that I, I um, trust his judgment and go to advice a lot. Yeah. And apart from, apart from family, I, I, I don't think there's any one standout person apart from family. 
I think there's been a lot of people I've met along the way, a lot of, yeah, a lot of people in business and in my travels that I've, I've definitely wanted to soak up a lot of information off them or people that have stood out to me. I definitely feel I've, I've asked people, certain people a lot more questions and tried to absorb a lot more information off them. And um, so, yeah, I, I think I've picked up a few bits off a lot of different people. What's your dad's name? Ignatius. So very strange. That's name. a very cool name. Yeah, Iggy. Iggy. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, um, he's comes all his, all his brothers and sisters are all Irish names. So it was my uncle is Sean O, Gavlin, Mary, Antoinette. So yeah, fairly. That's fairly really cool. Yeah. Cause uh, you, don't meet, you don't meet too many Ignatiuses nowadays. I no, know. I wonder if you have, did you ever have problems with people pronouncing his name? Cause I get people pronouncing my name wrong. 75 you recovered very smoothly most people don't recover <laughs> tell me that, i'm sure he's proud of who you've turned out to be today but Thank you. you um you you said to me before we chatted that you left school mid transition year to pursue electrical uh, an electrical apprenticeship I've, I've listened to other people the first person i ever heard talk about this was uh, a northern uh fighter from northern ireland james gallagher mm-hmm. um fights for SPG he talked about like hey he was just switched off in school because he knew what he wanted to do no disrespect to kind of any of the teachers or his elders uh, he'd always be kind and nice to them but he knew exactly what he wanted to do I'm kind of jealous that you knew what you wanted to do at an early age um what was it that had you switched on to an electrical apprenticeship um yeah I'm not going to say I wanted to know what I wanted to do from an early age I think I was very um just very eager to learn and very, very curious about everything. And um, yeah, like school, I, I did enjoy certain subjects in school, but there were certain subjects I really didn't enjoy. And the school I was in, unfortunately, didn't have a lot of opportunities, a lot of class, like, like woodwork, metalwork, these sort of classes weren't available to me. And I do look back sometimes thinking if they were available, like would I have stayed in school? Would I have been more stimulated in school? And I, yeah, I, who knows? I don't know. Um, but I'd always like, yeah, even before kind of before I was 15, 16, I was kind of gearing towards um, maybe starting an apprenticeship and doing something with my hands. I was always fixing stuff when I was younger and just fairly handy all around. And it was just something that really interested me. And I think then when I when I um, yeah, when I became old enough to well, I'm going to say old enough to make my own decisions. I definitely had a fight on my hands. My parents weren't too happy when I when I decided I wanted to pursue an electrical apprenticeship. But um, yeah, look, it worked out for me. It, it's not for everyone. Thankfully, it worked out for me. But it, yeah, it definitely does limit your limit your options in later life a little bit. But not for me, thankfully. Well, before we move on to business, there's two specific questions I had around you making that decision, and the, the two of them were, and you can avoid them if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. Did that help or have any impact on you growing up faster? And two, did that change your relationship with your friend group? Yeah, uh, both definitely. Yeah. So did it did it make me grow up quicker? Definitely. So when I left school at sixteen, started my apprenticeship because I was starting so young. They made me do a six month pre apprenticeship course. Just I think it was probably just to see are, are you going to like it? Are you going to stick at it? And so basically my apprenticeship was four and a half years. So I was qualified electrician at 20. And obviously at 16, you're working with, you're going from junior sir to working with people like of all ages um, and from all backgrounds. So yeah, I got a bit of stick with my background from South Dublin on the building sites around Dublin. 
Um, but it definitely, yeah, it, it definitely makes you grow up quicker and it definitely, you're in the real world a lot quicker and you have to fend for yourself and fight for yourself. So, oh yeah, hundred percent. I think it, it makes you grow up quicker. And even then, like at 20, I went off to Australia on my own and, and you're in at the deep end and you're not, you're getting jobs without connections. You're, you're fending for yourself. Um, and going then as far as my friends, oh, yeah, I, thankfully I've, I've stayed really good friends with all my my um, primary school friends but it, yeah you're, you're on different paths so I was doing an apprenticeship they were all in college and going to their J1s in America and going off on their summer holidays to Thailand while I was working and um, thankfully yeah I finished my apprenticeship and they were all kind of coming out of college but I was I was a bit jealous of them in their college years obviously I was getting paid I was making money they were probably jealous of that when I was jealous of them going out midweek nights and I'm up at the crack of dawn um, but yeah, it's, yeah it, it definitely affects it. And I think from yeah, my tenure, I was in Australia for 10 years. So that you definitely draw apart from people. But yeah, thankfully, when I came home, I fell right back in where I left off and always stayed in contact with my friends. We have a good, good group. You spent 15 years working as an engineer all across the world, Dublin, Sydney, um, Canberra, which for those who don't know, most people get it wrong. Canberra is actually the capital of Australia. Capital, yeah. I spent a year down in Perth myself in 2015, 2016. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Melbourne, Perth, uh, and London. Uh, was it during your time as an engineer that you saw a gap for what is now task match? Um, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I've I've always, yeah, obviously, I've been fairly entrepreneurial and just constantly my brother laughs. Like, you can tell when the hamster wheel is going in my head and... And he's um, so yeah, I've always been been yeah looking at different business models and and um, marketplaces is something I've always been fascinated with and I've studied many different models around the world, and then obviously yeah coming from a service industry background I, I was always thinking how you could facilitate like connecting people online with buyers of services in a more trusting manner. So yeah, I used to get harassed by family and friends, like being being a, in a trade, having a van, being handy, and you just you don't have the time, or like you don't you don't really want to be going around doing these jobs. So there is a lot of people out there that that are more than willing to do these jobs and and more than willing to get paid for them. So mm. yeah, I think yeah, I always like I've always been fascinated with Airbnb and even like locally adverts and everything. I love the whole dual review system. So like Google reviews, anyone can leave a review on your business without them even being there. And um, I just I just don't think that's fair. So I always I always like the the um, the situation of a transaction has to take place for a review. So like with Taskmatch, yeah, like we have a dual review system. So you review the worker. So. Yeah, um, and you review the job poster, so it's just a really nice feature. That I just think I think brings a lot of transparency and trust into into the equation and into hiring. And 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 this is for all sorts of services, not just construction. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we've we, like basically I described Taskmatch. Um, it's a community marketplace for people and businesses to outsource jobs, um, find local services, or hire flexible staff. So you can get anything done on Taskmatch. So we, our motto is we'll do our utmost to match you with anyone that, ha, or yeah, anyone with the skills to do your job. So there's been very few jobs posted on the platform that haven't had a had an offer on them. So like we've had, yeah, mainly now the areas we're targeting are kind of handymen and trades, mm. but it is going to be an open platform and you will be able to, 
like get admin jobs, marketing, a lot of online jobs that you won't need to meet face to face. But we've had some brilliant jobs on the platform. We've had like, and I love seeing them because this is the whole whole idea. But I want to like we want a one stop shop where you just can post whatever you want in our guidelines and and hopefully someone will do it. So we've had like someone asking to decorate my Christmas tree, <laughs> deliver a craft beer to America, f- uh, photograph a wedding proposal on the cliffs of Mohair. We've had mystery shoppers and um, yeah, just some great quirky tasks. And like when we, when we set out on the, on the adventure and, and had the platform built, it was about a week into launching and my co-founder and um, he had his bike locked in Ranala for about two months and had lost the key at a lock. And he just said, I'm going to post it on Taskmatch and see if anyone will come and cut my lock off. Like his bike was uh, just rusting away there. And within a half an hour for 20 euros, someone was cut, cutting the lock off his bike. So wow. yeah, it's, um, it's nice when you see these jobs and you see people taking them up and, and just, yeah, an avenue or an area where someone can go and if, there's a job you don't want to do you don't have the skills to do it or the time to do it like you just you can put it up there and and see who's there i know i know money is important so you can like pay rent and eat and whatnot yeah. but it must be pretty cool to, to to have your hand in so many different events around the country saying ah i impacted that somewhat yeah no it is and that's it i think there's certain jobs that make you yeah you get you get that moment that you're like ah i facilitated that or the mm-hmm. platform i've built has, has allowed this to be possible so yeah no it is they're there they are the great moments and, and they're the moments that yeah that keep you going i thought it was cool because it's a legit really good site and business you have the model um and it's also fair it's almost as if and i could get this wrong but like the money sits in an escrow account so there's no messing about from either party so we've actually just coming out of lockdown we actually changed the payment system so we will be at the at the start we had initially launched and you so to describe how it works really so it's um so yes you want something in your house fixed you want a handyman so you go on task match you click the post the task form so it's a a three-step process so you're asked for the task title the task description the area if you're in dublin or if you want to say a suburb and and the budget you'd like to pay so you could put 50 euro and you can also add images if you have images that you think will will help people so then you post it it gets posted on a public form and task workers can if they have had alerts set up on their profile, so they could, people can set alerts on their profile and say, if a, if a job gets posted and it has the word handyman in it in Dublin, send me an email straight away so I can make an offer on it. Um, so, uh, and then there'd be people. So there's, there's people earning full-time livings off it at the moment, which is great to see as well. So then people will be scouring it. They click on make an offer. They might ask a few more questions. So there's a public um, comment section under the task. And they might say, oh, I need a bit more information. Can you upload a picture? What size is it? Um, like dimensions, just different questions. And you can reply to the on the thread there, but that's fully public for everyone to see. Um, and then they might feel comfortable then making an offer and they might make the 50 euro offer. They might say, I'll do it for 30. It's pretty easy. Or they might say, look, it's going to cost you a hundred. And so you'll get like adverts kind of style. You'll get a few different offers from different people. You can click on their public profile and you can read all their ratings and reviews and read their bio and yeah, check if they have portfolio images. So, and then if you feel confident to, to um, hire someone, you, you accept their offer. And at the moment, we're just, we, we ha- you, 
previously you had to pay the full amount um, to book the job and then the, the payment was released to the worker when the job was completed. Currently we've kind of, we're testing a new payment method where we just charge a booking fee now and then you pay the person when the job is finished. Um, but that is limiting us with certain jobs. So it's limiting us to, like we, with jobs that people, obviously online jobs, um, people that want to get people that want to get um, stuff done for their family and they're not in the country, they'd rather just pay for it all up front. So we will be bringing in a system where you can where you can choose both options. You can either choose to just pay a booking deposit and and pay the worker when their job is finished, or pay the full amount and we will pay we'll transfer it once you're happy with the job. Nice. One of the things I noticed when I was on this that it got my attention was you need to get eyeballs, okay, attention before people are going to take action on the site. So you need to drive awareness to the site. Yeah. What's one thing that you think people often overlook when trying to build a brand that you think is crucial and if they got right, they'd be much further ahead than they were? Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we've had plenty of debates on this one. Um, like a, a lot of a lot of talk in the startup world, especially when we were going through our we we did the Enterprise Ireland New Frontiers Accelerator program, and a lot of the talk is around like MVPs and minimal viable product for people that don't know that. And and people would say, get your product out early, even if it doesn't look good, um, just get it out to the masses and see if you you can gain a bit of traction with it. And I yeah. I, like we had many like late nights debating about this whether to release our product early and i yeah i just was fully against it i just feel in in this day and age people people expect like a lovely user interface and user experience and, and a, a trustworthy platform so i really felt we needed a polished site from day one if we were going to bring trust to the brand and i wasn't willing to, to put money behind and market a product that wasn't that i wouldn't use personally myself Mm. So yeah, I, I, I'd kind of say, um, I don't know if it's as like, as, um, as, as you are as popular these days, MVPs that uh, maybe in certain industries, but yeah, um, I'd say, I'd say have, have your product looking well when people are going to see it. So, um, on day one, I know that you went and did an apprenticeship in the middle of TY, um, but you, you actually, completed a degree from DIT as well. Um, I, I'm sure you consistently invest in yourself, chatting to you, uh, you've got your head well screwed, screwed on. So my question is, if you could add one mandatory subject that you think all students should learn more about that's not currently on any curriculum, yeah. um, what would that be if you were the decision maker? Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, I... I... I never went, I never sat my leaving cert, but so I'm probably not the best person to be asking this question to, but if I was to, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think, um, as I said before, certain subjects weren't available to me, woodwork, metalwork, obviously I don't think they should be mandatory because they're not going to suit everyone. Mm. Um, I, I, home economics was one that wasn't available to me, but yeah, something like that, I think something practical that's going to teach you some life lessons. Like everyone should know how to cook and, and run a family and do your taxes. So yeah, I, I think just something practical, like, yeah, I'm going to say home economics. Interesting. Cause that kind of typical answer, home economics has come up a couple of times, mm -hmm. finance, communications, uh, economics has come up a, a couple of times as well. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite part of leading a company? Your favorite aspect? 
Um, my favorite aspect of leading a company is is just creating something. I think I, I yeah, definitely my my strengths would be in in yeah vision and strategy and stuff, and then we leave it to other people to try and bring the idea together. But um, yeah, I I just think I I've been an entrepreneur the last ten years, so. Um, apart from one one role I had um, in Australia where I worked offshore for a while for um, for an experience, but yeah, so I I think the freedom to do what you do, even though I don't get much freedom, um, but if I do, if we were ever going away, and um, yeah, you just you you can you can have the freedom. You don't have to ask people, and yeah, it's, I think it's mainly just down to creating a product and making a difference and, and changing. So task match like task match will be it'll just be an incredible platform if we can get it to into a household irish name i'm sure you will um is there a commonly held disbelief about your industry that you disagree with um about my industry well about like about task match yeah like i think what we're trying to change is how people look at at the kind of the whole um yeah the whole working system so like we don't want people to be like um <laughs> like how do i describe it we don't want you, you don't necessarily need like a carpenter to hang a mirror in your house you don't necessarily need an it expert to set up a wireless router in your house so we want people to just change how they think about employment and like you just need someone with the skills to do the job that that you have so you don't necessarily yeah need people in the industry so yeah we're trying to broaden people's minds to think that there is people out there with lots of skills um and yeah that they shouldn't be looked looked or they should be should be accepted and yeah that's basically it one of my favorite books is on the shelf over there um it's around the 13 blind spots that can hold back an otherwise healthy business blind spots like include like not focusing on lead generation not properly paying attention to the hiring process or even onboarding process there's 13 of them Um, are there any potential blind spots that you see people uh, continually fall down or get caught up in that road bump that you think if they were just to nail that blind spot their business would be tenfold better than it currently is or maybe you've personally suffered and have overcome a blind spot um yeah i'm gonna 100 say team on this one like um i think yeah you can you, you have to give you have to trust other people first of all so yeah you have to obviously um, hand your business over to people and, and let them lead us you, can, you can't do everything yourself as much as as a lot of people try and me my um, included in that and um, so you have to hand it over and yeah like at the start one of the hurdles we definitely had was was hiring a team and trying to get a team that had the same vision as us and believed in the product believed in the idea and yeah we were also trying to do that on a budget which was never easy either um, and we did go through a good few developers like my background's not in development but we did go through a good few developers at the time and thankfully now we have a great team on board that are working on it and it just it's just made my life so much easier and um, so yeah i think finding the right team and and yeah just taking time in your in, in judging people and, and take time in the process of hiring and, and make sure you you get the right people that you need 
Yeah, well, Harvard came out with this study that I consistently reference, and it's the cost of a bad hire can be five times that hire's first year's salary. Not based off like just like the cost of it, but also like missed opportunities from that person. Um, I'm I'm part of a number of groups. Entrepreneurs get together once a week, once a month, pick a topic, focus on it, or like groups that help one another. And a topic that comes up every now and again uh, internally in these group chats is fear, dealing with the roller coaster of emotions as an entrepreneur or self-employed founder. Um, you know, one day it's great, the next day you have doubts, worries, and Everyone that I've spoken to goes through this. Some people are more vulnerable than others to open up and admit it. But how do you deal with that roller coaster of emotions or the fear or doubt? Yeah, I think and, and so many people ask me that and so many people, um, yeah, even my partner's like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know. But I think, yeah, I've been doing I've been kind of self-employed or, or um, an entrepreneur for 10 years now. So yeah, you, and I still have those moments. I still go... God, what am I doing? Is it, is it, like, is it all worth it? That would be one of them. But yeah, the roller coaster. But yeah, I think usually if you're putting in hard work and you're, you're, you know, you're not sitting around and you're, 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 the business is progressing, then everything does balance out. Yeah, you have good weeks, but you have bad weeks, but um, you have ups and downs. But yeah, it's, I think, yeah, obviously, if you're having progressively bad weeks, um, one after another, you might really think, rethink your your um, decisions. But yeah, I think for me, it's been it's been very manageable because it's just been such an enjoyable experience, I think. Two questions left. Second last question is, uh, all your loved ones are safe, but your house is burning down and you can only save one item. What one item would that be? Um, I'm here sitting here looking at my laptop thinking that, but now I think it would have to be probably be my passport to be honest. If my house was going to burn down, I'd want to be sitting on a beach somewhere feeling sorry for myself. So, um, yeah, probably myself and my partner's passports. Nice. Final question I'd like you to imagine we're talking as if it's now the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade. You can answer this personally or professionally or a combination of both, but. Imagining now, 2030, you're looking back, what would you like to be looking back on? Um, yeah, well, personally, um, family-wise, I don't have kids at the moment. It is something I like, would like to have in the near future. So, yeah, a healthy family would be nice to be looking back on. And um, in career-wise or in business-wise, um, task match being a household name around the country would be, yeah, I'd be a happy man. Connor. I've enjoyed spending the last 20, 25 minutes chatting to you, getting to know you a bit more. I'll leave links to task match, any relevant articles, your LinkedIn account, all of them below if people want to learn more. Um, but for now, thank you for being my guest today. And I hope both of those personal and professional things do come through. Thank you very much. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning, baby.